Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have uh, another founder joining us from Startup Nation. What an amazing country and incredible founders there. Now we're going to be talking today about lots of good stuff, you know, going from engineering to uh, being more on the business side uh, to going from, you know, just, just being an employee to all of a sudden being a founder, being a founder of a company that has gone public, you know, not only in Israel, but then also on NASDAQ listed, you know, at the peak. We're talking about 2.5 billion valuation. And now he's doing incredible stuff too. Now on the investment side, he, he went to the other side of the table and uh, more oriented towards a climate change uh, type of um, investments. So again, today we're going to talk about all the good stuff that we like to hear, like what makes a company unique, especially in a segment where maybe there's not a competitive edge that is clear, how you design your organization, how to bring senior, you know, and talented folks, you know, to really help you and get behind the trenches with you and lots of inspiring stuff. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Safri Yoeli. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. So originally born in Israel and raised in a kibbutz there where, you know, think about dormitories and all types of uh, interesting and unique stuff there. How was life growing up? Give us a walk through memory lane. So yeah, I was I was born in a kibbutz near the northern border of Israel. This means during the eighties, being a kid in a kibbutz was uh, being brought up uh, together with other kids uh, in dormitories, uh, more uh, of a socialist community, uh, no relation whatsoever to to equity or to capitalism. But we got a pretty good education in in all uh, in all aspects. So um, I think we, we became educated, but, uh, but uh, with zero understanding of how economy really works. And I think this was something to, to catch up later. But the very strong value that we got was, was being, uh, you know, camaraderie and, and working as a team uh, and, uh, you know, collaborating. So maybe this is something I took with me later on to the business side as well. And what, what got you into engineering and, and problem solving to begin with? Uh, well, you know, it was the, the days where, where people were uh, contemplating whether to study law or, uh, or engineering in Israel. And it, it went more and more towards engineering. Uh, I came from one of the uh, uh, elite intelligence units in, in the IDF. So this led me more toward, to, to a technical profession. But I knew that, you know, I wanted this most, uh, mostly as a basis for later, uh, you know, development in, in the business uh, side rather than staying as an engineer. So I went to study uh, engineering as a first degree, but um, uh, sort of uh, looked for my way out, let's say. And so, so what was that way out? The, the way out for me was uh, after working as an engineer uh, during my, my uh, university days, uh, I uh, took a product management position in uh, one of the communication companies in Israel. Uh, but pretty quickly, I decided to uh, change courses, let's say, and, and um, 
go more to uh, to sales, sales and marketing, uh, where I joined a semiconductor, a small, relatively small semiconductor semiconductor conductor company as a VP VP of sales, uh, just to feel the business more closely. I felt that in engineering and in in tech in general, in large corporations you're not very close to the business. So when I went to that company, started in sales, and then I became CEO of the company for, for several years, um, it was definitely more about, you know, how, how an organization, you know, how uh, cash flow, profit and loss really works. And this also gave me the push to, to start my own thing, to go more to, to founding uh, a new venture rather than uh, being uh, employed in one so then let's talk about, uh, you know, this too, because I think it's a very interesting transition when you go from engineering to the business side. How, is, how was that transition for you? I mean, people typically find it very difficult, very challenging. So how was it for you, you know, making that type of transition in your career? Um, yeah, I think it's very, you know, personality related. Uh, some people are great engineers and they enjoy it and, and they want to, you know, they look for this type of, uh, of a position. Others that, you know, enjoy more like the deal making dynamics or, you know, being more working uh, closer to the business side, uh, they would have a tough time staying in engineering roles for, for the longer term. So for me, it was pretty clear that I wanted to, uh, you know, touch the business side more. And uh, so I sort of um, directed myself to, to more business oriented, first marketing and then sales and, and general management positions. Uh, but I think it's very, it's very personality related. You know, don't try to, to force yourself into uh, roles that, that do not match your, your personality preferences. So then let's talk about, you know, what was it like to uh, ultimately start your own business? So how did that come across? You know, like what was the process like of really incubating the thought and then being like, wow, I think I, I got I to gotta venture into the unknown? So it started with um, basically with, with a partner. Yeah. I mean, uh, I met uh, Gilad Yavetz, uh, whom later... Uh, I founded, uh, co-founded Enlight Renewable Energy with, and together we, you know, both of us felt we, we need a change. I was then CEO in the semiconductor company. He was a VP in, a, in a, another tech company, and both of us felt that, that we need a change. And, and so we started to, you know, contemplate together and uh, throw ideas in the air. And we, we saw the renewable energy spaces. This was 2007, eight. We're talking about. We we thought this is a very interesting segment, but we wanted to find the right model. You know, how do we do we enter into this market, and what type of business model? And then we identified the, the we identified basically the model of being a renewable energy developer and power producer uh, as an interesting one. We just we saw the the valuations and the, the potential for the energy transition basically moving from uh, um, producing or generating electricity through fossil fuels to generating uh, based on renewable energy sources but not being just the the one that is selling the the you know the product or the equipment 
but actually being the owner, being the, the, the like utility 2.0, yeah, being the one that develops finances and then constructs and sells electricity. This was the most interesting business model that we identified. So we said, yeah, I mean, this, this looks very interesting. What do we need to do in order to make it happen? And from that point forward, we started basically to design how the company should look like in terms of the business model, the financing structure, the executive team, and everything that follows. You were talking about the business model. What ended up being the business model of Enlight? How were you guys making money as well? So Enlight is a, it's a renewable energy developer and a power producer. So basically it does everything from A to Z in order to eventually hold renewable energy assets and sell the electricity that is being generated in them, by them. So it starts with identifying the right pieces of land, land plots for either solar or, or wind turbines or, or energy storage systems in, in utility scale. And we're talking about tens and, and hundreds of megawatts of, uh, of power. And then it works on getting all the regulation uh, approval, regulatory approvals, permits, everything you need in order to uh, operate such a facility. This is, you know, this takes a lot of time, energy, and, and know-how. And then it fin- basically it supports, basically it finances both the development stage, but then also the construction. So, and this this involves a lot of uh, capital expenditures. So you need to be very well funded on your corporate level and the project level. Um, and eventually, after financing and constructing the facility through subcon- subcontractors, uh, basically the company holds the, you know, the asset, the solar farm or the, the wind turbine farm and sells the electricity from this facility to different off-takers. It could be the local utility, it could be the Googles and Microsofts of the world that, that wants to buy um, green energy, green uh, electricity, and uh, by that, basically supporting and advancing the energy transition from fossil fuels that, that emits uh, greenhouse gases to fully renewable electricity that, that does not uh, emit any greenhouse gases. So I guess, too, you know, one thing that is interesting is that here you guys were operating ultimately in a market where there's not a clear competitive edge. So how did you guys go about really developing that uniqueness, you know, for the company? That, that's a very good question, because indeed, in, uh, in this type of a business model, where we were not a technological company. We, we knew, you know, about technology. We... we um, you know, we come from technological companies and, and fields, but uh, Enlight itself as a business model did not hold any technological IP. And during the time where we started the company, uh, there were already several active players in the, mar- in the Israeli market and the Euro- European market, and many more were added during those uh, years. So what turned Enlight into uh, one of the leading players Basically, I think, you know, retrospectively, that uh, first, of course, the, the fact that we were uh, quite an experienced and uh, very much execution-oriented uh, executive team. So uh, Gilad and myself, and then uh, the additional co-founder joined us, Amit Paz, was, uh, who uh, joined us the uh, lead of engineering. Uh, and also the additional executive team members that, that we brought and were joined to our team 
all very you know, talented and execution-oriented people. So, of course, the team and its relative advantages and focus is, is critical. Uh, and it also plays a role when you go to talk to the, you know, the ecosystem, like the banks, the, the, the investors. So when they see a very focused team and you know, with a, a very good execution track record, they, they feel more confident with this team rather than others. So that's, that's one. The second key is, is, you know, trying to imagine and design your, first of all, and really understand your business model. What do you want to, what do you want to be? What type of business you want to play in and how to implement it? Not just around, you know, if you're a technological company, just what is the technology? If you're a developer, just, you know, eventually who do we want to sell to? But, you know, the full cycle. Whether if you're a developer, you want to know about the re- regulation, you need to know about the financing, and you need to know about selling electricity eventually, and you know build a company around it. So what we did is first we focused on the business model that was maybe the the toughest because it it involved a lot of understanding and skills in different verticals, and it needed it required a lot of financing, very capital intensive. Um, but it also created the very high barriers of entry to, to others. Once we established a cluster of projects and got managed to bring financing for those projects, we were in a different uh, step, different uh, let's say step than other uh, other players that just did you know, sold projects or systems, uh, what have you. So being very focused on the business model uh, and you know having the, the right team in place. These are two critical points. And the third one is after you, you uh, understand what your business model is and, and how the company should, uh, should achieve it, uh, we work very hard on designing the company structure around the business model to basically best support this business model. What does it mean? It means that if we are doing development financing and then construction and, and asset management, we want to have a very clear lead, a very strong lead for each and every one of, one of those verticals. So on the business development side, we were very strong in execution of new projects, of entering new markets. On the financing, we worked very, very hard to become uh, experts in corporate financing and project financing for renewable energy projects. We brought the best financing team that we could find. Our CFO uh, you know, is still the same guy for 10 years now, even more. Uh, one of the most you know, expert CFOs in, in corporate and project financing. And this is critical. It sounds like you know, you're doing something in the utility space, in, in the development space, but eventually it's a very financial business. So you need to uh, build your expertise in this segment. And then in the construction management and in the asset management. Hey guys, so pardon the interruption here. So I got to tell you that, you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard and already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So 
I remember, you know, back then when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of either knowing or finding the right type of access to the right type of investors or really understanding what was the right type of guidance, you know, that would carry me through the process, whether it was with seeking money or with going through the acquisition. So that gap that I found being an entrepreneur is ultimately what pushed me later on when I met my co-founder at Pantera, Mike Sieversen, to really put together an advisory firm where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid cap type of um, a cycle. So again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team. And there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com and we would love to take a look at helping you out. Would you mind double-clicking on the team? You know, like what, what do you think you guys got right when it came to really bringing on such great talent to the business? I think it was first... You know, it's the initial click and, you know, who are the, the original founders and how do they work together and divide their responsibilities. Uh, this, should be, this should be clear enough. And again, very execution focused. Uh, it's, 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 you know, I wouldn't say there's no time to think because you have to think, but you, have re you, you really have to execute and show the results and you, you need to bring the, the projects, the, the agreements. Uh, the customers and, uh, you know, show that you, you achieve the milestones. And then I think that once we understood what type of people we need, like this very strong CFO, uh, very strong uh, commercial management for, for, the, for the wind and, and solar farms, we sort of uh, looked for these type of people and, and were very focused on finding them and, you know, it, it's something that uh, also creates, a, it's like a cycle. If you have a very strong kernel team, other, peop are, other strong people would want to join you. And then you bring additional good people. And then the other, you know, uh, more good people would want to join. So, you know, investing in, in the good people in the executive roles would help you bring more good people for, for the next roles and keep your competitive edge through the, the quality of the team. Now, obviously, you know, the company has uh, gone public, not only on the uh, stock exchange in Israel, but then also on NASDAQ. So what was the, um, and, and, and at a peak valuation of 2.5 billion, which is absolutely remarkable, what was the journey of capitalizing the business like, you know, from raising, you know, private money to going public, you know, in Israel, and then also to going public in, in NASDAQ? You know, how was that journey like? So that was... Definitely one of the keys that, that we understood uh, pretty quickly that in order to, to be able to grow as a, as a utility scale uh, energy, renewable energy developer, you need to have very, very good access to capital and very flexible access. So it started with being, you know, taking some um, um, concessions uh, through our first, uh, first uh, significant financing 
where we became a publicly traded company in Tel Aviv. Basically, this was through uh, selling the control in the company uh, and becoming a publicly traded company in Tel Aviv Stock Exchange. From one hand, we gave up control, but from the other hand, we gained access to the public markets, to to both equity and debt. And this enabled, enabled us to really support the business model and expanding the business model to, to other markets. So um, it was a trade-off, but, but we believe that it's worthwhile and it, it really justified itself uh, by supporting the ex- uh, expedited growth of the company. And then, you know, almost, let's say, every year or so, we took a look at, you know, what are the, the um, you know, sources and uses of, uh, of our funds. And when we saw that the uses are you know, increasing dramatically, we understood that, that you know, we need to go to the next level of financing the, the business. Of course, our financing became cheaper and cheaper and better and better throughout the years, also through the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange at a certain point where we became you know, quite big, uh, even in, in Israeli term standards. We decided that it makes sense also to become duly listed and this was actually very much based on the, the expansion and the penetration into the U.S. market that we did uh, in 2021. Um, a significant portion of the pipeline of the future business uh, became um, the, the pipeline of uh, the acquisition in the U.S. And that uh, enabled us basically to uh, approach the U.S. markets, U.S. investors, and, um, and then go to the successful IPO in the Nasdaq. And how was it like, like ringing the bell in the Nasdaq? I'm sure it was like a dream come true. What was going through your mind? <laughs> so actually for me, uh, that, that, that's definitely one of the most amazing achievements of the company. Uh, I was leading the business development uh, worldwide for the company until 2021. Then after closing the deal in the U.S., I decided to leave the executive role for my next thing, which is, which is uh, basically climate tech investments that we can discuss in a while. Um, and then, so my, my pals were leading the, the, the IPO when I was, of course, uh, with them uh, in, uh, in my heart and, and encouraging them. It was very, uh, very um, exciting to see the company being, you know, doing this IPO successfully, especially in 2023, which was not an easy year for uh, IPOs. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. I mean, what a what a remarkable, you know, a milestone, you know, for a company that that you've seen, you know, being built, you know, from nothing and where you had that level of impact as well, no, as a co-founder. So congratulations. Now, obviously, as you were saying, in 2022, in around July, you know, is when you decide that it's time to take action around climate change. And uh, you decided that the problem was meaningful enough for you to go to the other side of the table, to become an investor, and to get going as a venture capital, uh, you know, in this case. So why did you think that that was the a problem that was meaningful enough to you? Uh, and then also, why transition into the investment side? So, you know... It's been uh, almost 13 years, I think, with a light in, a, in an executive role. And I thought that uh, the team, the executive team and the, the company has become really, you know, good at, at, at you know, preserving and, and uh, being able to support the, the, 
the rules and uh, but through the, its its organizational structure. And my dream was always, you know, trying to distribute between the let's say the development side, but also being closer to technologies. And I saw something very exciting and new happening in the in the climate technology space, where more and more uh, entrepreneurs entering the market, uh, both in quality and in quantity. And I wanted to take part of this. So I thought that, okay, and light is in charge of the energy transition of you know building more renewable energy uh, projects uh, through the the amazing team that is there. I can, you know, uh, leave the executive role and, and go to try to really boost up the, the climate tech space while Enlight is doing the right thing for the energy transition side. So this is when I decided basically to, to step down from the executive role and start to you know examine again the business model, what's the right way to impact and enter the, the technological side in order really to help the climate tech space uh, get to the next level. Um, so that's basically where I where I decided to uh, to make this change and go to a, basically a fund structure, but not a regular fund, but a designated expert-led fund that focuses on climate tech led by climate experts. So I guess uh, in this case for you, you know, obviously you guys are now uh, at a amazing you know moment in time where you are now in the process of closing what is going to be your first fund uh and uh, i guess you know the question here is what kind of investments you're going to be doing you know what are uh those uh, ideal type of uh companies that uh, that you're looking to onboard uh and what's the vision you know what does the future look like for you know the company for gravity climate fund Great. Yeah. So we think that uh, something very different is happening in climate tech. Uh, first of all, when I say we, uh, so together with me, uh, I, I joined to the fund um, Dr. Bracha Khalaf. She was the chief scientist for the Israeli Ministry of Energy. So she saw basically everything that was around uh, in, uh, let's say, about five uh, years ago, more or less. And she, she could also identify the change and the difference in, in the quality and, uh, and the offering of new ventures that, that you know, are now entering the climate tech space. And um, what we're seeing is uh, that uh, there is a lot of new potential in relatively early stages because most of the entrepreneurs are new. The business models are more or less in the making. The, the market is not mature yet. And uh, so, so it's through going through different, uh, let's say, crystallization uh, processes. And in such uh, a market that in such a technological market where most of the potential is in the early stages, and there is a lot of uh, expertise required in different verticals, like in financing and in understanding, understanding the ecosystem and, and the regulations. These are things that impact the, the success rates of ventures. Um, in this type of market, in terms of you know, pure benchmarking, uh, expert-led funds are performing better. So this is generally speaking, and this is why we, th we thought it's such a you know, great opportunity to establish such an investment platform from people who come from the market, uh, basically 
built executive teams, uh, built large-scale projects, sold energy. Uh, we understand the, the you know the different different business models, and uh, we know the players, the ecosystem, and by that really try to bring value to entrepreneurs uh, in in working with them again in identifying the business model, uh, you know structuring the executive teams uh, in accordance to the business model and by that trying to uh, you know boost their their success rates eventually so so then obviously you know like we're talking about you know here what the future is gonna look like as well and and i want to talk about you know also the the past and doing so with a lens of reflection if i was to put you into a time machine and I bring you back in time, you know, maybe to 2009, where you guys were thinking about starting something of your own. And you have the opportunity of having a chat with your younger self, with that younger sufferer. And you're able to give your younger self one piece of advice for launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now? So, yeah, that, that you know, requires a chat, uh, the fireside chat. Uh, it's, uh, there are so many lessons learned and now, what I usually tell new uh, startup uh, leaders is that, uh, you know, how do you know that you're on the right track until you're getting dragged on the, you know, road uh, and, and feeling your skin being uh, uh, peeled off you, then, then you're not. After you're there, then, then you're probably on the right track. So definitely you should know uh, that there are always uh, challenges that are, you know, that you, you might face uh, challenges that, that you cannot cross. That's, that's for sure. Um, so I think you should, uh, the, the optimism is always uh, a key feature. But uh, coming back to what we discussed earlier, you know, work with a team of, of, you know, the best team you can find, the best partners you can find in terms of execution skills. And, and uh, uh, you know, they're... The, their character, basically, the, 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 the strong character features. And then don't wait before um, really defining well your business model, what, what you're going to do and how the company is, is going to look like in order to match this business model. Don't think that this is something for later stage. The sooner you do this, the better. And I think that um, this is something that uh, we, we, we thought of. We, we did probably better than others at the time. And this is what led us to, to be maybe more successful than others. I love it. So, Safir, for the people that are listening that would love to reach out and say hi, what is the best way for them to do so? You, you can always contact us through the Gravity uh, website. It's gravityclimatech.com uh, or also... Uh, through my private private email, it's uh, zafrir at gravityclimatech.com. Uh, so, yeah, happy to, um, you know, relate to any questions or, you know, new ideas that, that uh, come to mind in, in the climate tech space and, and in general. Uh, I think that um, it's really a very exciting point in time right now that uh, the... the you know, burden of proof is on us. We need to demonstrate that this market really can live up to this, to this potential. But uh, I think that with the right uh, mixture of talented entrepreneurs, expert uh, investors, and uh, later on, 
you know, generalist investors that will go in with, you know, the, the full scale of investments that are required in this field, uh, we can make it very successful. Amazing. Well, Safra, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show. It has been an honor to have you with us. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, good luck to all of us. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.